Are you struggling to hire diverse tech talent? After all, every organization in the world is now a tech company. And the ability to attract, hire, and retain tech talent from all backgrounds is critical to their success. Enter Hackajob, a reverse marketplace that actively vets engineers. We flip the traditional model on its head, meaning companies apply to engineers versus candidates applying to jobs. With companies getting an 85% response rate to candidates they reach out to, as well as exposure to tech talent that directly meets their organization's diversity objectives. Companies such as S&P Global, CarMax, and Sensor Tower are all using Hackajob. Why not join them? Go to hackajob.com slash cheese to get your free 30-day trial today. Go to hackajob.com slash cheese to get your free 30-day trial today. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. Say what you want, but Chad and Cheese have never even been to the Suez Canal. You're listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast, boys and girls. I'm your co-host, Joel Filibuster Cheeseman. And I'm Chad, Chief Impact Officer, Sowash. Oh, that's going to get hairy. On this week's show, LinkedIn, we have a problem. Better up gets hairy. And better than the Sweet 16, it's time for a little buy or sell. Job advertising is pretty simple, right? Write a good ad, find the right channel, run tests, research others, translate data, optimize. Okay, maybe it's not that simple, but there is something that helps bring it all together and put it in autopilot for you. That's programmatic job ads with JobAdX. JobAdX gathers hundreds of channels and their job seeker audiences into one place so that your ads reach far and wide without having to create a ton of new accounts. Create ad campaigns with no minimum spend or results focused and based on a engagements from candidates. Have full control of your job ads using the JobAdX self-serve platform. Welcome to Uncomplicated Job Ads. Find out how you can start attracting and engaging candidates with your ads in three steps at jobadx.com slash get-started-today. That's jobadx.com slash get-started-today. So I'm finally getting my shot on Friday, which is when people will be first listening to this show. So you and I are well on our way to summer of love, baby. Oh, yeah. I've got uh, the second shot, my second shot happening at uh, 1120 on Friday. And then promptly going on vacation for a week, I think. Is that <laughs> is that the plan? Getting the fuck just out drive. of drive. Just drive. Just, just doing something, doing something. <laughs> spin, a, spin an arrow and then just go whatever direction it says, <laughs> north, south, east, or west. Could be uh, at least maybe uh, depending on what's open up in Fountain Square, come up there and and uh, check out the NCAA action if there's any whatsoever. There you if go. So, yeah. so apparently it, two weeks after your first shot, you're kind of not going to die. Like you, you may be in, <laughs> like, is it, that's my understanding is like two weeks to kind of kick in on the first one. Like you'll get sick potentially, but not hospitalized and die. And shout out to our poor friends in Canada who aren't getting shots, apparently. No, but I think, didn't we send them shots? I thought we sent them like- Yeah, we sent them the the AstraZeneca, which no one else wants, I think. That's what- The ones we haven't approved. Yes, yes. (laughs) 
Ah, so NCAA uh, has been shit from a bracket standpoint. Not to oh mention, we've also seen that they don't they don't treat the females quite the same as the, the males. Have you seen this? Yes, and I'm 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 so glad that that was a Texas versus Indiana thing. Because if it was Indiana who looked like yeah. you know a set oh, yeah. of five pound uh, weights on a rack versus Texas, I would have been really hurt. But yeah, it was it was good to see it was Texas and not us. Yeah. So first and foremost, the men got the PCR test, the the really expensive COVID test. Uh-huh. And in the 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 females got the rapid antigen, right? It was like, hey, here's the cheap stuff. Go ahead and take Yeah, you're good. You're good. Mm-hmm. Then the men got, you know, like a million dollar weight room and Yeah, they got they got the lifetime fitness <laughs> with the uh, sauna and whirlpool. And the women got a fucking weight rack. I mean, <laughs> and again, if Texas can fuck anything else up, just continue, C- continue. This is your year, Texas. Continue to fuck it. It just ridiculous. Uh, and then it's like next to a fold out table. Like, is that where they were getting uh, <laughs> taped up? I don't understand what was going on there. I don't know. I don't know. Here's your uh, bench bench press. Fucking uh, five and dime down there in Texas. <laughs> Jesus. Don't mess with Texas, baby. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh, rumors real quick. Ooh, rumors. So, rumors. Uh, so we're not going to report on this on the show, but this is this is potentially upcoming hot stuff. Hot okay. stuff. So, okay. the first rumor that I've got is uh, uh, was given to me by two really reliable sources, mm-hmm. and it's that ISEMS ISEMS is soon to be filing their S1, which means IPO time at ISEMS. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Or they're showing enough leg so that Microsoft looks and goes, huh, yeah, maybe I don't buy that. Yeah, they're going to pull a glass door. (laughs) They're pulling a glass door like, here's what we're valued. Here's how much our stock price is is rising after our S1 comes on. And like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We have a buyer. We have a buyer, everybody. You got me. Psych. Yeah, so we'll be on the lookout for that. Uh, The second rumor... Uh, Maya, our buddies at the uh, the chatbot solution yeah. there. Uh, word is that they'll they'll be selling to a staffing firm, and that the announcement is is coming soon. Uh, my source also added that Maya has been trying to sell for quite a long time, but didn't have a whole lot of interest. That may have been pandemic yeah. uh, influenced, or just uh, the fact that the shit wasn't any good. But uh, anyway, Maya and iSims should be main stories. Coming soon, if these rumors are true. Yeah, yeah. I got confirmation on that last one with Maya. Overall, I I don't think it's that the tech is shit. I think it's at this point, you can just kind of wait it out. You know, you can wait it out and get a lower price later. So yeah. uh, that's probably what smart, smart buyers are doing. They're waiting for a little bit more of a clearance rack. Yeah, fair enough. And let's be honest, uh, Maya raised a shit ton of money, which means the money mm-hmm. they had to get in a sale was going to be significant. So that was that. Remember, Alio had like 65 and they went for 50. So they didn't even cover their bets, right? Yeah. What did Maya raise? About 70 or 80? 51 million. Doubtful they got the five hundred million uh, their investors were hoping for. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll see. We'll we see. Shall if see. they don't announce the number, then we know it was eh, not good. Away from tech, but now talking about uh, politics, real quick. Okay. The Senate on Wednesday confirmed Dr. Rachel Levine as Assistant Secretary of Health at the Department of Health and Human Services. 
the very first transgender federal official to be confirmed by the chamber. Now, the vote was 52 to 48, and the only two Republicans that actually crossed lines to vote for Dr. Rachel Levine was two females, Senator Susan Collins of Maine yep. and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, who joined all the rest of the Democrats in voting for Dr. Levine. As assholes like Rand Paul continue fearing <laughs> anything that is not a straight white male. Congratulations, Dr. Levine, man. That's that's awesome. It's uh, it's good that we can take that step because uh, I don't believe we're the first. Making progress. And uh, by the way, I don't have the names, but I remember seeing a story about uh, ESPN had their first ever uh, all-female play-by-play on an NBA game. So we're making progress all over the place, baby. Power to the women. One day this week, one Mm -hmm. day, was Women's Equal Pay Day. So uh, I'm probably going to step in it on this one. But what the actual fuck is this day for? And why is it a day? <laughs> I mean, recognition that females are paid less. Yep. Seriously? I mean, wh- why Why don't we have a concerted effort on this clusterfuck instead of a fluffy recognition? I, I, I don't understand days like this. If we focused on shit that actually moved anything, because yep. nothing's being moved, like transparency, forcing companies to demonstrate that they're actually paying equally- there's yep. equity. So these days that just come out of nowhere and everybody's like, today's equal pay day. It's like, but you're not getting equal pay. I don't fucking get this. Well, thank God Prince Harry is going to be getting equal pay soon. Yeah, uh, announcement Christ. out of Silicon Valley, a unicorn industry startup, Better Up, which offers personalized coaching content and care designed to transform lives and careers, has announced Prince Harry... As chief impact officer. So no more poor house for Prince Harry. He's going to be making some bank finally. Thank God for that. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, the pitch for Prince Harry, because you know, he had several companies coming after him to have him, you know, like endorse or be a part of. Sure. got to wonder what the pitch was here. And, and, and obviously with, you know, with Better Up, there's this altruistic kind of feel to making money. Right. Yep. Maybe that was it. I feel like the attending the Sherm conferences was probably the thing that that (laughs) sold Prince Harry on our industry. I mean, can you imagine finally sales Uh, calls will be answered uh, if Prince Harry's making making the sales calls at better? That'll be a nice change for the industry. (laughs) They'll send out they'll send out uh, just like these robotic Prince Harry. Yeah, uh, deep fake Prince Harry's to, to everybody. Lisa, Prince Harry's on the phone. No shit. The whole HR department's gathered around for the sales call. Prince Harry's on Zoom. That's what it is. <laughs> so this week, I had a great time with Madeline Lerano talking more in depth about the research she did in programmatic. It's called State of Programmatic Job Advertising. Covered a couple you know, areas. 40% of job advertising spend is wasted due to, obviously, the old way of doing job postings versus programmatic, which actually has a 90% customer retention rate, which I thought was fucking ridiculous. I mean, that that's awesome. Anyway, we went pretty deep into the, the programmatic research. You can find it at aptituderesearch.com to download the entire report. That was, uh, that was a good time. And to think that all of 
pretty much talent acquisition. They still can't spell programmatic, let alone know, know what the fuck it is. <laughs> you said really deep. Let's just talk about free shit for a second. Yes. If you haven't signed up for free t-shirts, free bourbon, free beer, what the hell's your problem? Head out to chadcheese.com slash free. Uh, it's towards the end of the month. We'll be announce- announcing new winners very soon. Make sure that you're on that list to win good free shit. Chadcheese.com slash free. Amen. And one last shout out to Torn and Julie at Crazy in the King. Julie is on the road this week. She had a, a road trip with, with Tristan. So I filled in as guest host on the show. So this week it was appropriately renamed Whitey and the King. So go check it out. <laughs> You're going to love it. Would Cracker and the King be too inappropriate? I can call myself whatever I want, right? Okay. We, we've officially both stepped in it and we're 12 minutes into the show. So that's Dude. good. That's good. Let's get into topics. I can call myself Whitey. <laughs> Topic! <laughs> LinkedIn, we have a problem. Good so God. our friends at Jobiak, or as you like to mispronounce it, Jobiak, <laughs> apparently, and uh, they're their job search engine, all jobs. They did a little research, a little recon after our, our topic about LinkedIn yes. aggregating uh, jobs, and they found some pretty interesting information. Yeah. So last week we talked about uh, the the LinkedIn jobs product. Product or problem? Products? Okay. Both. Yeah, it's a both in this case. Their product and or problem relying on employers to claim their jobs so that they can clean up this shit pile of a job mess that LinkedIn has. So pretty much they're saying, hey, employers, we've got shit over here that needs cleaned up. Can you come do it for us? So Venkat was like, this sounds interesting. Let's jump into it. And he found some data. The findings are based on the analysis of 52,000 thousand companies jobs on linkedin so not a small universe they did some real deep data diving in this one not at all so uh, approximately 60 percent of linkedin jobs were coming from job boards over 50 percent of jobs did not have direct links to employer career pages uh jobs are being associated with the wrong companies no. I, mean, I mean come on Man, as an example, uh, Jobiak found six jobs linked to its name. None of them were correct. Coinbase, a company that has uh, a total of 200 jobs on their career page, had 2,000 jobs on LinkedIn. So, I mean, Oops, sorry about that extra zero. Sorry about that what, extra zero. What the fuck, man? I mean, this is just ridiculous. So to, to remedy this, this is my favorite part. LinkedIn is is relying on employers to claim their jobs, uh, which as Jobiak highlighted is unrealistic and a cause for major concern. Uh, LinkedIn, come on, man. Yeah. So Alexander Tchaikovsky on LinkedIn, uh, he's been scraping jobs probably for about 10 years, if not more. Yeah. Uh, he posted this in, in, in the Coinbase example of actually 200 jobs and 2000 on LinkedIn. And one of the product managers or something said, responded and then said, you know, it's it's not as easy as it looks. Well, no shit. I'm paraphrasing. But it really, to be quite frank, it is. If you know the source and you don't take jobs from everyone, that's the problem. They're opening up to everyone. And the question is, are they doing this from a, the arbitrage standpoint? Mm-hmm. 
or are they doing this so that they do create a mess so that employers feel like they have to come back, clean up that mess, and then re-engage with those employers. That's a shitty way to drive leads. I don't yeah. see that. That Somebody actually threw that out to me on LinkedIn. I was like, that's fucking stupid. But overall, it is easier when you whitelist companies. And mm-hmm. if you're taking jobs directly from applicant tracking systems and you're not taking them from job boards, you have to look at the source. We started doing this at direct employers before we were direct employers in like 2002, right? Sure. And Indeed took our feed. Simply Hired took our feed. You know why? Because they knew it was a trusted feed of only yeah. Corporate career sites, right? So th- this can be done in a very easy way. I quote unquote easy. There's a lot of maintenance to be done. Mm-hmm. The biggest key, if you're LinkedIn, you go to the applicant tra- tracking systems. LinkedIn has a big enough name to be able to interface with the applicant tracking systems and actually make something like this happen. I think a lot of it was early hubris. Uh, I think I think early on they thought every recruiter uses us, every employer uses us. So of course they're going to post all their jobs <laughs> on our site, right? And then the world sort of went away from this manually posting jobs world and yep. went into sort of a, a XML file scraping whatever. And LinkedIn wasn't built for that. They were built for like, hey, your link, your your job is connected to a profile or a company and everything's native and you're putting it in within the walled garden of LinkedIn. And programmatic throws this whole other variable into the into the job, uh, the job search and job promotion world. And companies just want jobs to show up. They don't want to post them manually. And they've they've just what they wanted it to be isn't what it is. And now they're trying to like backtrack and figure out how do we fix this? How do we get all these jobs to be native jobs? And that's not working. So they have a they have a real fucked up situation over at LinkedIn. Yeah. Well, they're they're showing just how ancient yeah. their technology is right now. It seems like they should have some brain power in the house to help them with this problem. Maybe not. If they wanted to figure this out, it could be figured out fairly quickly, but they don't have they don't have the expertise. Just just write a check to Vincat, damn it. Just write a check and be done with it. I I love Vincat to death, but looking <laughs> at his stuff, I don't think he's got it figured out either. Oh. And we'll talk about that on next week's show. <laughs> Stay tuned, kids. <laughs> now it's time for some buy or sell. I love me some buy or sell. All right. We have three startups. They all have one thing in common, of course, which is, I guess, the pandemic. We'll start out with uh, with Visage. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Uh, San Francisco-based uh, Visage is a hiring platform using the power of the crowd. Think of it as like 4,000 sourcing nerds in one place to find you the right candidate. So they raised $7 million in Series A funding. First analysis led the round and was joined by investors, including Urban Innovation Fund. Uh, you can find out more, and I love this, so I'm just going to throw this in. Their URL is visage.jobs, which is the only vendor that I can think of that uses a .jobs domain. So so good on them. Uh, Visage sourcing technology blends 4,000 sourcers and AI to find diverse talent within hours. Mm. Buy or sell? Uh, unlike Fetcher, I like that Visage isn't trying to bullshit the market, yet they're using humans as a part of the model. What I would not like as a prospective buyer is the valuation of a tech company instead of a service company, right? So yeah. if it's valued as a tech company it's 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 overpriced i'm not i'm i'm selling if it's valued as a service company i'm buying 
So uh, the platform could turn into the Uber of RPOs, mm-hmm. uh, I think. But overall, there's just there are way too many cogs that could human cogs that could mm-hmm. fall out of the machine to make it its valuation uh, good for tech. Yeah. So if this had been a company launched 15 years ago, it would have been hailed as revolutionary as fuck. <laughs> But as most of our listeners have heard us talk about over the years, you know, sourcing is becoming more and more automated. The idea of thinking like, let's post a rec and have 4,000 human beings weed through it and place people seems really antiquated and it seems primed to be totally disrupted by, I don't know, automation and automated sourcing, which a lot of companies are doing now. So unless they're looking at a big pivot to get off the the human beings, um, I'm, I'm going to have to sell this thing. I mean, I like the idea of these sourcers having something to do because companies are letting them go at, at record paces. So that's nice. And I guess they can milk this for a while. But, uh, you know, I, I think sourcing is going the way of the uh, Polaroid camera, maybe at some point. So <laughs> seems like it could be almost like a, a niche fiver for sourcing. That's basically what it is. I mean, crowdsourcing was big again back wow. in in. 2010 if this company was you know 10 years still big now fiverr's big yeah it's crowdsourcing not to mention also this is kind of like an uber app if you think about it uber's crowdsourcing vehicles and people right so you can crowdsource it but but can it be automated i think is the question and i think i think most of what visage does can be automated gotcha all right let's go to number two fetcher Uh, you gave a tease on that that you're not a a huge fan or maybe you are the new york-based recruiting automation platform Focused on diversity, raised $6.5 million in Series A funding late last week. G20 Ventures led the round and was joined by investors including K-Fund, Accomplice, and Slow Ventures. Fetcher automates your repetitive top-of-funnel tasks so you can focus more on candidate engagement and team collaboration. Buy or sell, Fetcher. Yeah, so is anybody not pimping diversity these days? Oh, it's like AI was a year and a half, two years ago. Diversity is the new AI, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's it. Okay. So now you you know how much I love me some matching technology, right? Mm -hmm. That's my favorite. I know this. But I'm not a fan of said matching if it's founded in outsourced humans performing the matches. Uh, I understand Fetcher is more than matching, but that is the biggest and most valuable lift and technical asset for me. And it's vaporware. So I am selling. Oh, yeah. Just on the promotional uh, copy that I've read. I mean, I like the idea of automating repetitive top of funnel tasks. Uh, Obviously, we talk a lot about that. So I'm going to go ahead and sell this one as well. I do, however, love the fact that they actually engage with us when we post. I posted a shred on this and I got followed by like 28 Fetcher employees (laughs) and people that were like, thanks for talking about us. Uh, which is also not a great sign that their employees have all the time to like follow follow me and thank me for that. But anyway, uh, all right, we got two cells. Let's see if we have a buy in our third competitor, Lattice, uh, San Francisco-based HR management platform, raised $60 million this week, valuing it, it at $1 billion. Unicorn alert, Tiger Global led the round. Uh, the new Series E investment brings Lattice's total funding to $158 million. Since its founding in 2013, so not quite a startup, Lattice has grown its team to over 225 employees and serves more than 2,500 businesses, including Slack, Asana, and Samsara. 
Over the course of 2020, the company has doubled in size due to the increased focus on people-centric thinking in businesses. Lattice is the people management platform that enables people leaders to develop engaged, high-performing teams. Lattice, buy or sell. Pandemic say what? Yeah. (laughs) We're going to stay remote and or hybrid, right? So there, yep. we have to have technology in to be able to manage that much, much better than we have uh, over over the years. So Lattice and their investors understand now is the time to build and grab market share quickly. Organic growth is great, but when the weather is right and you have access to funds, you launch that rocket ship, baby, because I'm buying. All right. Yeah, I agree. Look, we I talk all the time when we do this about catching the right wave, right? There's no doubt that the pandemic and work from home and hybrid office and et cetera is, is going to mint a lot of companies that focus on this problem. Uh, is Lattice the company that, that strikes it big or one of the companies that makes it big? I don't know, but they're riding the right wave. So for me, this is a big buy, Lattice, even buy. though it makes me think of lettuce, which I don't like so much. <laughs> Let's take a quick break and uh, get into some more hot topics. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions? And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chat and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman. I'm talking about Text Kernel. Ah, okay. That makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, yeah, simplicity. <laughs> seriously, though, seriously. Text Kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways. TextKernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. TextKernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. TextKernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey. Kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data. I mean, that that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener, get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com that's t-e-x-t-k-e-r-n-e-l.com nachos (laughs) you already know that sovereign makes the world's best resume cv parser but did you know that sovereign also makes the world's best ai matching engine only sovereign's ai matching engine goes beyond the buzzwords with sovereign you control how the engine thinks. With every match, the Sovereign engine tells you what matched and exactly how each matching document was scored. And if you don't agree with the way it scored the matches, you can simply move some sliders to tell it to score the matches your way. No other engine on earth gives you that combination of insight and control. With Sovereign, matching isn't some frustrating black box, trust us, it's magic, one-shot deal like all the others. No. With Sovereign, 
matching is completely understandable, completely controllable, and actually kind of fun. Sovereign. Software so human, you'll want to take it to dinner. Nationwide is on your... Oh, no, wait. That's not the right nationwide. Yeah, I don't think it's that one. I don't think it's that one. (laughs) Yeah, so... This next story is pretty amazing just from the standpoint of we've been talking about hybrid retracting the footprint, right? And Nationwide tells 13,000 employees to work anywhere. Quote, we're putting our employees in control of where they work from, inviting them to, quote, locate for their day, depending on where they need to achieve. So apparently they can work in a branch office, they can work at home, they have this kind of like ability to move around and just get work done. Yep, yep. So under the plan, Nationwide is closing three offices in Swindon, wherever that is in the UK, uh, with 3,000 staff either moving to the nearby HQ, working from home, or mixing the two. Other UK staff may be able to work from their local high street branch if they prefer, rather than travel to offices. And a a survey of employees, 57% said they wanted to work from home full time. That's a lot of people who'd never want to go back in the office again. Fuck yeah. More than a third, 36% said they preferred a mix of home and office-based work. The move toward flexible working will see a change to the configuration of offices. I don't know if that means there'll be casinos or what, but they claim that there'll be more collaboration spaces and fewer meeting rooms, as well as introducing quiet areas. Ooh, that sounds nice. And designated walking and cycling routes. Quote from the the higher-ups, our offices will become hubs where teams can meet meet for creativity, social connection, and collaboration. That sounds sexy. Good for you, Nationwide. Yeah. Quiet areas to you means nap areas. (laughs) That means my bed. (laughs) It means my couch. That's what that means. So also, uh, Santander, I guess is how you say it, they're going to be closing 111 branches. So another company also uh, retracting their footprints. Again, I, I just think this fiscally mm-hmm. is a very smart move. Yeah. Yeah. And they talked about, look, you know, uh, climate footprint and all the good things that come around uh, around because of this. And this sort of started in a big way with Salesforce, who announced a few weeks ago that, hey, this is the model. It's like you can work from home, you can do half and half, or you can come to the, the office, you know, all the time. Um, Work Chew, which we talked about last week, a startup yeah. that basically partners with restaurants and hotels Love that company. to let people, yeah, to let people sort of buy passes and then go and, and have unlimited, uh, you know, coffee and tea and chips and salsa or whatever. The, this is the way the world is going. And, and to me, the, the thing that caught my attention was we're going to see conf- a reconfiguration of offices because these companies still have this real estate. They still have to make these payments. Yeah. So they have to do something with these spaces. So what does collaboration space mean? I don't know. It's going to be every company figuring out what the new office looks like. I got to think this is a bad thing if you make cubicles for a living uh, and probably really good if you're like a furniture store because there's going to be some really rethinking about what an office is. And to me, that's going to be pretty interesting. Yeah. Being able to figure out what's going to sell in the home office versus the cubicle office. And being really creative around urban areas and how do you work as in a, in a, in a, you know, a one bedroom studio apartment or whatever like those will be challenges 
food trucks. That's that's the game right there, right? Food trucks. That's what I want to see. I want to see more trucks, food trucks. Yes, and companies reserving entire food trucks to come yes. to their office certain days a week, and then that day, you know, Taco Tuesday is when everybody comes to the office because, well tacos well if you're smart though and you're like a small downtown like columbus indiana here or maybe even a larger downtown like uh indianapolis you have like food truck days so you're pulling people downtown into communal areas those types of things out of their 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 homes and offices yeah so i think you know there's there's opportunity for different behavior but a better behavior that's more work-life balance yeah test kitchens ghost kitchens there's going to be some real uh rubbing together and getting sticky with uh, the food (laughs) industry and the corporations of the new post-pandemic era Ooh, yeah speaking of pandemic companies uh zoom everything this week so announced announced by uh one of our favorite video solutions zoom now has an SDK for putting Zoom into other things. Oh my God, did we predict this or what? Yeah, I think we did. Yeah. Zoom has released a new SDK, meaning software development kit, for those who don't know, to help developers build Zoom into their software. According to the company, you can build your own video-based applications and websites. Did I hear video recruiting solution? Well, yes, hello. I did. On top of Zoom's platform, and can more easily incorporate Zoom's video and audio features directly into your apps. The company envisions developers utilizing Zoom's chat functions in a number of different settings, from social media and gaming platforms to virtual retail apps. Quote from the company, using our video SDK, developers can drive customer engagement and provide new opportunities for revenue without being tied to the Zoom meeting's user face. And every video recruiting company now is shaking in their boots, right? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Although I would say that companies like TalkPush and Paradox saw early on that instead of building their own quote unquote video platform, mm-hmm. integrating Zoom Teams, Google Meet was really the way to go because those were the quote unquote, preferred platforms of said companies, right? Said clients. So if your client uses Zoom or they use Meet or they use, you know, Teams, whatever they use, mm-hmm. you want to be able to have some form of SDK to plug into it and and integrate that into your platform itself. So it makes it easier for not just recruiters, but also hiring managers. You know, they don't, they're not in it every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so being able to provide them with a video solution that they're already used to and they're already hooked up to and they don't have to go through, you know, single sign-ons and all the other bullshit. Uh, but Zoom We'll have to start doing more of this to get aggressive as Google Meet and Microsoft's teams sure. continue to gain acceptance by users. So th- this is this is a move, but they have to get more aggressive. Sure. So I'm going to take I'm going to take our listeners back in time a little bit. We need some like music. So so in 2003, YouTube was becoming a thing and you had a ton of video competitors um, I think Vimeo is the only one that's still around, but you had a ton of it. You had like Josh T, Justin TV or something. Yeah. You had like Zoom Cam and or Zycam, Zik, whatever. You had a bunch of stuff, right? And inevitably, <laughs> our industry said like, we're going to make our own video player too. So the one that sticks out in my mind and, and partly just probably because they bought my company uh, a few years later is 
jobbing video. Do you remember jobbing video? No. No, nobody remembers jobbing. <laughs> but jobbing literally had a staff of videographers, personality. They would go into companies, do video, really progressive stuff. And they had their own video player. So they stored the video, they played it, da, da, da. Well, over the course of a few years, YouTube wasn't just this weird sort of quirky video upload thing. They started adding things like, oh, I don't know, HD. They started adding things like, you know, uh, no buffering and closed captioned and all these things that there was no way that an employment sort of solution was going to keep up with the innovation that was happening at YouTube. So they dumped jobbing video and started just putting in YouTube videos embeds into, into the solution. So my prediction is I think that you're going to start seeing startups and going to be implementing zoom. Yeah. And because zoom is going to have all this shit. One is people will have an account. They'll hit critical mass. They'll have like background custom backgrounds that people can use for whatever. I mean, they're going to use all the cool technology that zoom has and claim it as their own using the SDK. And by the way, because they're not like hosting, powering, producing all that good stuff, taking the content or, or transcribing stuff like zoom will probably have that available as well at some point, like they're going to be companies recruiting video companies powered by zoom and they're going to be cheaper. They're going to be better. And they're going to push the other companies to really rethink how are we doing video? So you just said pretty much higher view is dead. Note to self, it may take 10 years and we'll be retired from this podcast, but <laughs> but that's my prediction. Higher, higher view is Unless dead. they take that Alio uh, acquisition and really make it awesome. Right. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, last one in this segment, we're going to talk about Goldman Sachs versus uh, Citigroup. This is interesting because... Um, Goldman Sachs, it seems, they, they had an employee survey that got out and uh, the BBC published it. So the BBC understands that the survey was conducted by a self-selected group of U.S.-based first-year investment banking analysts among themselves. Mm -hmm. But here's the information that they got uh, that was actually available by Goldman Sachs slides. On average, you're going to love this, first-year analysts work over... 95 hours a week and sleep five hours a night. My days are reversed, by the way. I work five hours and sleep the rest of the day. Yeah. They get to sleep around 3 a.m. 100% have seen the job negatively impact their, their relationships, family, family and friends. Duh. Go figure. 77% feel victim to workplace abuse. 75% sought counseling slash therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, 100% feel like they have uh, unrealistic deadlines and 83% experience micromanagement. These are all first year investment banking analysts who mm -hmm. we know just historically are treated like dogs, right? But apparently through the pandemic, it's gotten worse. So I have a lot of questions about this survey. So according to the news, this was a, this was a survey among 13 employees, mm -hmm. which is not a lot of employees. Goldman Sachs employs a lot of people. Now, I'm not saying that life isn't hard for first year Goldman Sachs employees. In fact, I would say like if you go into Goldman Sachs thinking you're not going to work like a dog for a few years until you prove yourself and move on to something else, like you're probably in the wrong business uh, anyway. So part of it is... I think this is real, but I, I also think that part of it is maybe whining by a small group of people uh, and the media has grabbed 
hold of this and really, really run with it. My company, Poach, uh, which we don't talk about a lot, but but we basically can look at data and then create sentiment scores and, and whatnot around this. So I, I conveniently put in Goldman Sachs into our little AI machine to see mm-hmm. what would what it would spit out. And overwhelmingly, sentiment is is very positive at Goldman Sachs. And if you look at if you go to Glassdoor, which most people would say is sort of the you know the gold standard for for happiness at a company, they're they're four out of five stars. Uh, the CEO, who I know got a lot of slack on, I think, New York Post or whatever, <laughs> saying, let them eat Saturdays, which I thought was great. Uh, he has an 89% approval rating. So to me, this is an outlier. Uh, I agree it makes great headlines and great press. And I think additionally, what Citigroup did, and we'll talk about that in a second, was a really good chess move uh, in light of the news to make themselves look better and look like a much better employer. So yeah. for me, I know it sounds bad, but I, the the data in the bigger picture doesn't show a company that's just a, a, you know, I don't know, a sweatshop and a horrible, horrible place to work because a lot of people apparently do like working there. Yeah. I think it's funny by now, you don't think that those algorithms can't be um, gamed because a company like Goldman Sachs with the kind of cash that they have, you know, that shit's being gamed. It's a big company with a lot of employees. This is how Goldman Sachs does business. And if that's how Goldman Sachs does business, okay, great. If you don't want to work 95 hours a week, you don't go to Goldman Sachs. No. DJ Saul and the investors are greedy white dudes who give zero fucks. That's what it is, right? So you're not going to Goldman to save the world and you're not going to Goldman to like, you know, have a work-life balance and have kids. Like you're going there to make money or have a springboard to a better, you know, better opportunity because you put the time in at Goldman Sachs. I mean, it's, it's boot camp at the Marines. For Ivy Leaguers, wouldn't quite, wouldn't, wouldn't quite go that far. Wouldn't quite go that far. Uh, but yeah, it's it's it should be expected, right? Now, I I think you're 100 correct when we're talking about chess moves. Citigroup CEO is probably 180 degrees different from good old DJ Saul. Yeah, Citigroup CEO Jane Fraser told staff that she is banning banning internal video calls on Fridays, Mm -hmm. encouraging workers to set boundaries for a healthier work-life balance and instituting a firm wide holiday called city reset day, which is actually May 28th. That's clever. As uh, COVID pandemic fatigue takes a toll on employees. They have about 210,000 employees. I think this once again starts to set up Really, the expectations for not every company is the same. Uh, I, I don't agree with the brutalizing 95 hours a week work, but overall, that you know what you're getting into yeah. compared to a city group. Yeah. And look, Jane Frazier basically said, hey, Goldman Sachs employees who hate working at Goldman Sachs, take a look at Citigroup because we Come might be a much better place for you to find a career. So for me, like either it was really uh, just coincidental timing or one hell of a, yeah, a chess move to, to say, look, they're in the news as being a real shitty place to work. We're going to come out and say zoom free Fridays and work-life balance and mental health days and city reset and like really clever marketing. And I'm sure a lot of people at, at Goldman that said, yeah, we, yeah, we do. It does suck here. Like what else is out there? So yeah. from a marketing standpoint, uh, I mean, she looks like a much better CEO, uh, much better place to work. 
and it was a great recruiting move to get people uh, from other places in her industry to, to come work for them. I mean, oddly enough, both of them uh, in terms of, of uh, like poach data, they're both very positive. Uh, Glassdoor, I think uh, City's like three and a half out of five stars and, and, her, and their CEO is like a 91 or so percent approval rating. So oddly enough, both of these companies show really high sentiment scores as well as really popular CEOs, but sometimes there's an opportunity and you can spin the marketing wheel and have two very opposing stories, which maybe we have here. Yeah. You better check your algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. Oh, <laughs> we'll be right back. You know, Steve, it feels like we keep getting pushed to hire more and better candidates with no more budget. Right. I wish there was a way to get better results from what we're doing. Actually, I heard in an episode of Chad and Cheese about this framework from Jobvine. Oh yeah, Evolve. It's a technology agnostic framework to help TA teams get better results from their recruiting efforts. And we don't even have to be a Jobvite customer to use it. I bet we would get better results if we orchestrated all of our efforts. You mean like a centralized process and all of our channels working together? For sure. Whether it's job boards, social, or even texting with candidates. Let's do that. Jobvite.com forward slash evolve. I'll send you the link. Cool. I'm going to finish watching this episode of Bridgerton. We talked about Fiverr and uh, you dissing on Visage uh, with their Fiverr-like type of crowdsourcing. It was a dissage on Visage is what I did. Oh, that's very good. That's that's, nice. Oh, that's our new Um, title for the show. (laughs) Yeah. Visage is not big enough for a title. Yeah, I know. So a 28-year-old making $378,000 on Fiverr. What? How the fuck does she do that? She works really fucking hard is how she does it. So Alex Fasulo, Fasulo. uh, she's in Brooklyn. She's a freelance writer. And uh, she looked around in in the pandemic and saw everyone losing their jobs, uh, new companies going out of business, et cetera, and said, I need to find a new gig. And she went on the Fiverr platform uh, she's on the higher end version, the Fiverr Pro. Uh, yeah. You have to sort of earn your way into that. But once you get into there, you're a really trusted vendor. Um, she pr- primarily ghostwrites uh, white papers and books and ebooks and whatnot. She charges clients $1,000 for around a 10,000 word ebook. She says in any given week, she writes up to three ebooks for clients. That's a lot of fucking books. Uh, she also said, while so many people were losing their jobs and so many businesses were going out of business, so many people were coming online to start selling products and services because it was the only way that they were going to make contact with other human beings. It wasn't make money. It was connect with other human beings, which I thought, which I thought was interesting. Uh, this isn't easy money, by the way. She's obviously good at it because you got to get rated. You got to get reviewed. Uh, yep. So she's obviously good at it. Uh, she's defined a need in her marketplace. So she's actually selling something that people want to buy. And according if my, and if my math is correct, she's churning out like 10,000 words every day, seven days a week. Yeah. So she's working hard for that $378,000. Yeah. Yeah. So in May of 2020, she earned over $36,000. That was her highest earning month. So that if, 
just the the math, that's nine ebooks a week. That's 90,000 words a week. So she's got to have this down some, some way. Yeah. She's got to have some system set up where she's kicking ass, taking names. She might have a staff. She might have a staff. I've, I've yeah, heard of that yeah. before. Yeah. I've heard of writers that have, you know, sub writers oh, yeah. and nobody knows about them. So yeah, she may have a system. Yeah. She may have a system. I mean, she's according to the article, she's put around in a nice new Jeep and enjoying yep. life. So it's hard for me to imagine she's burning the midnight oil, just writing thousands and thousands of words every day. And she moved to Florida because you can do that shit anywhere. And there's no sales tax. So it's all bright skies, baby. But you still got to live in Florida for that. <laughs> we we out. out. Thank you for listening to what's it called? The podcast. The chat. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout outs of people you don't even know. And yet you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. There's so many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.